Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to Angry Americans. Welcome to episode 58. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Even, and maybe especially, on Mother's Day. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Yes, sir. This is the material that traps the particulates. And if you're paying attention to that pretty noisy clip, you'll recognize that the song playing is Guns N' Roses' Live and Let Die. That was the song that was playing as President Mayhem toured a mask factory in Arizona. He was touring a mask factory, with no mask on, of course, while Live and Let Die played over the loudspeaker in the factory. Apparently, Trump plays Live and Let Die on his standard campaign rally soundtrack all the time. So he plays this song, Live and Let Die, in the middle of a pandemic that's taken the lives of almost 75,000 Americans. But wait, it gets better. A day later, Guns N' Roses lead singer Axl Rose had something to say about it. And he tweeted, It's official. Whatever anyone may have previously thought of Steve Mnuchin, he's officially an asshole. And even more amazingly, U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin tweeted back, What have you done for your country lately? With an American flag emoji. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. This is the world we're living in right now. As our economy collapses, the Secretary of the Treasury is fighting with Axel Rose on Twitter. This total lack of discipline from Mnuchin is probably the single most defining and damaging feature of the entire Trump administration across the board. This is the command climate that President Mayhem has created. There's no discipline. And this Mother's Day, these mothers are doing the best they can to destroy our entire country. My mother always told me to be nice. My mother always taught me to respect other people. My mother always showed me kindness, compassion, and empathy. And by doing that, she showed me what real strength is. She showed me what real love is. She showed me what real leadership is. I don't know what Trump's mother was like, but she clearly screwed up. Or maybe Trump just didn't listen to his mom. Some kids are just bad, right? No matter how good their mom is. Either way, Trump is like a mother's worst nightmare. When he was a kid, he probably didn't eat his vegetables didn't do his homework, wasn't nice to other kids, and lied all the time. He probably didn't wash his dishes, he probably didn't do his chores, and he probably left his clothes all over the mansion. Well, this Mother's Day 2020, we may not like it, but we're going to be cleaning up after him, probably forever. But this Mother's Day, 
America has a message for Trump. I ain't gonna be cooking all day. I ain't your mama. I ain't gonna do your laundry. I ain't your mama. Mm. I ain't your mama. Boy, I ain't your mama. When you gonna get your act together? I ain't your mama. No. I ain't your mama. No. We ain't your mama, President Mayhem. And if we were, you probably would have been grounded for life. You would have been on permanent timeout, or we would have straight up disowned you. Because what you've done is unforgivable. You've disrespected your mama on a level never seen before by an American president in history. You've disrespected your mama. You've disrespected Mother Earth. You've disrespected our mama. You've disrespected my mama. You've disrespected everyone's mama. And due to your failures of leadership, tens of thousands of mamas have died. The coronavirus has taken the lives of tens of thousands of mothers nationwide. And 78% of all healthcare workers that have tested positive for coronavirus are women and moms. And as the pandemic continues, more and more mas and grandmas are lost. And this Mother's Day, far too many families all across the country will have an empty seat at their table. Far too many families will be mourning. Far too many families will have moms in hospitals and on a ventilator. All because you failed to listen to your mama and do one simple thing. Be a good boy. Just be a good boy. But in this episode, we won't make the same mistake that Trump made. We'll listen to our moms. We'll listen to common sense. We'll listen to science. And we'll stand up for our moms like they stood up for us. Because this Mother's Day in America, they've never needed us more. In this episode, we're going to focus on another hidden front line of our war against the virus. The battles being waged by mothers everywhere. And the virus has hit so many communities hard. But no other group of people has been hit harder than mothers. No other group of people has hit back more. No other group of people has been braver. No other group of people has given up more for the rest of us. The nurses, the doctors, the firefighters, the EMTs, the teachers, the grocery store workers, the scientists, and all the moms everywhere busting their backs just to keep it together, juggling work and homeschooling, bravely donning the mask, leaving the safety of their homes, and again and again diving into hospitals and nursing homes to help others, to serve in the National Guard, to work in a soup kitchen, to patrol our streets and our skies. Moms are the true heart and the true engine of America. And in this episode, we'll show them our heart. We'll show them our love and our respect and dive deeper into how they've been uniquely impacted by the virus with a guest who knows more about moms than just about anyone. Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner is a renowned and respected fighter for moms everywhere. She's met with presidents, testified before Congress, and organized millions. Kristen's the dynamic founder and executive director of the most powerful organization for moms in America, Moms Rising. 
With over 1 million members, Moms Rising is leading on the most critical issues that face women, mothers, and families. The powerful organization brings the voices and real-world experiences of women and mothers to local, state, and national leaders. They amplify women's voices on policy issues, in the national dialogue, and in the media. They accelerate grassroots impact on Capitol Hill and at state capitals across the country. And they hold corporations accountable for fair treatment of women and mothers and to ensure the safety of their products. Kristen's also the host of the radio show Breaking Through with Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner on 1480 in Washington, D.C. And she's also the co-author of The Motherhood Manifesto, which also became a documentary film on PBS. Kristen's an inspiring, important, and soon-to-be iconic American leader who I'm honored to call a friend. We met about 12 years ago when we were both selected for a special fellowship for social entrepreneurs called Prime Movers. Prime Movers are emerging and established social movement leaders who work in the U.S. to create a more just society. The fellowship emphasizes the professional development of individual leaders who engage masses of people. The program cultivates community development among leaders like me and Kristen and established a resource-rich network aimed at sharing knowledge and building supportive relationships across movements. This focus allows leaders to think beyond their organizations and take on broader, more pivotal roles within their movements. And Kristen is the leader of a movement of moms. She's changed history, and she's changing how moms are supported and respected every single day. She'll help us understand the numbers, the scope, and the stakes. How many moms are impacted by the virus? What will help them the most? What's it like to be pregnant in a pandemic? From what moms are facing to what moms need, Kristen will lay it all out and help us take action to make change. She'll, of course, share her favorite drink, her first car, and what makes her angry, and we'll get to meet her dog. I talked to her on Zoom from her home just outside Seattle, the first city in America to face the virus. And Kristen's going to take us to the front lines and tell us how we can help. Last episode, we focused on the kids. This episode, we focus on the moms. And I've got a way for you to take action. That's a better Mother's Day gift than sending a box of old chocolates from Amazon that you have to leave outside your door for three days anyway. And we've got a pretty cool message from some friends in Texas and news about some upcoming guests. But before we get to our conversation with Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner, with some of you thinking ahead, and sitting pretty knowing that your mom will feel loved, and others just realizing Mother's Day is here and scrambling to find an online gift card last minute, others are missing your mom, some never knowing your mom at all, and some getting ready to be a mom. Here are some issues that have me angry, have my mom angry, have other moms angry, have Axl Rose angry, and should have everyone angry. Even the most calm and patient mom. Because of the virus, the politics, and the news, can sort of feel like this lately. Mom! 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 Mommy! 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 Mama! Mama! That's how we've all felt at some point lately. The news can be exhausting, relentless, annoying. And the most annoying of all is the expanding, ever-changing, and evolving war against the coronavirus. There are now 3.7 million confirmed infections worldwide and 1.37 million confirmed cases in the U.S. alone. 
370,000 were added in the U.S. just in the last week, and many of them are mothers. That's 1.37 million people across every state, plus Washington, D.C., and four U.S. territories that have all tested positive for the virus. That's 1 million more than tested positive in Spain, 1 million more than tested positive in Italy, 1 million more than tested positive in the entire U.K., and almost 75,000 Americans are dead that we know of, and it's projected to get worse, much worse. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington is now estimating that there will be nearly 135,000 deaths in the United States at the beginning of August. That's more than double what it forecast on April 17th. And according to an internal FEMA document obtained by the New York Times, the daily death toll will reach about 3,000 people on June 1st. That's a 70% increase from the current number of about 1,750 per day. So we're going to go from 1,750 per day to 3,000 per day in one month. And the reason is simple. It's because America's reopening too soon. So happy Mother's Day. Enjoy that Mother's Day tattoo or that Mother's Day massage or that Mother's Day brunch at Cracker Barrel because by Father's Day, many more people will be sick and many more will die. States across America are reopening with the quickness. Indiana, Kansas, Florida, Nebraska, they all reopen some businesses even as they see an increasing number of cases. Other states are partially reopened as cases continue to go up. That includes Iowa, Minnesota, Tennessee, and Texas. They're dying to reopen. Literally, they'll be dying to reopen. And they'll be taking thousands and thousands of moms along with them. Because the national virus whack-a-mole game has now officially begun. Places like New York, Detroit, New Orleans are improving, but L.A. and Chicago are getting worse. And as expected, the virus is now rolling into rural areas fast, thanks to meat plants, prisons, interstate travel, and nursing homes. And now, thanks to a failure of national leadership, compounded by failures at the state level, leaders are emerging on the worst scoreboard in America. And check this out. All these places that I'm about to name have now surpassed New York City in cases per capita. Sioux City, Iowa, Gallup, New Mexico, Grand Island, Nebraska, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Iowa, Gainesville, Georgia, Trenton, Princeton, New Jersey, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. All these places now have more cases per capita than New York City. And Mother's Day travel definitely isn't going to help those numbers. I could be right, I could be wrong. It hurts so bad, it's been so long. Mama, I'm coming home. So you know what's coming home to Mama this Mother's Day? The virus. Propelled by people who care more about being popular with Trump or certain citizens in their state than they care about their own moms or your mom and propelled by the ferocious disease that infects them so badly, they'd sell out their own moms. It's not crack. It's not opioids. It's not even COVID-19. It's a more potent infection than anything else in America. Oh, wow. 
It's the stupid. The sickness of the stupid. It's a sickness that continues to grow as the weather gets warmer. From meat plants in South Dakota, to Navy ships in the Pacific, to bars in Florida, to nursing homes in Georgia. We're not sure if the warm weather kills the coronavirus, but it definitely doesn't kill the stupid. The warmer the weather, the closer we get to the summer, the more the stupid spreads. And it infects moms, dads, and people of all shapes and sizes. Most good moms are telling their kids to wash their hands. But the moms infected with the stupid are like bizarro mom, encouraging their kids to play in traffic, stick their fingers in electrical sockets, and do even crazier stuff. Like wear a scary mask, grab an assault rifle, join an angry mob of people infected with the stupid, and try to push past police and storm the state capitol building. Like this. That's the sound of an angry mob in Michigan, rolling into the state capitol with guns and masks to protest the governor's stay-at-home restrictions. So this is our first episode with a group award. Hundreds of winners in multiple states, from Michigan to Indiana to California to Boston, all screaming in the face of cops. It's nationwide. It's like the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes of stupid. And I understand some of the frustration. Look, I tried to take my sons to a playground this week, and it was roped off with police tape, and that was a little much. But I didn't go get my rifle, put a skull mask on, and march up to my state capitol screaming at people. I'm not chanting, let us in. If anything, I'm chanting this. So, to all these people at the state capitals, your bizarro moms must be very proud of you. But they shouldn't be. Since your mom's never told you, let me give you a lesson. Going to a state capitol dressed like your favorite video game character from Call of Duty is a bad idea. You are not cool. You are not a badass. You are not a patriot. You are a thug. You're an angry mob of morons playing dress up. You look more like ISIS than you do like any Americans that I want to be associated with. And as a testament to how badly you're infected with the stupid, even this guy has a problem with it. No one is a bigger defender of the Second Amendment than yours truly. Everyone has the right to protest, protect themselves, and try to get the country open. This, with the militia look here and these long guns, uh, no. Show of force is dangerous. That puts our police at risk. And by the way, your message will never be heard, whoever you people are. No one should be attempting to intimidate officials with a show of force. And God forbid something that happens, then they're going to go after all of us law-abiding Second Amendment people. So as we recognize May the 4th in Star Wars, even the supreme Jedi master of the stupid has a problem with you. The force is not with you. The people are not with you. Even Hannity is not with you. Therefore, you thugs storming the state capitals, mouth-breathing all over our police, and trying to intimidate lawmakers, you represent the opposite of what America stands for. And therefore, you might be the most deserving we've ever had of this award and of this song. I drive really slow in the ultra-fast lane While people behind me are going
Maybe you can all just join the new Space Force. Take yourself to Mars and infect each other out there. Because you keep screwing around and somebody's going to get hurt. And you're all probably going to end up with the virus, too. And I got to admit, I didn't see this one coming. You even surprised me, the Tony Romo of predicting stupid. But you all seem to have a unique ability to multiply faster than gremlins. You're the only people that probably actually deserve to be locked up right now. Not my four-year-old who just wants to go to Monster Jam again. But his mom, smartly, won't let him go to Monster Jam. Even if there was a Monster Jam, but there's not. And even he knows not to take an AR-15 to the state capitol. His mom taught him not to play with guns. Or viruses. A lesson too many governors apparently didn't get from their moms. Because after weeks of shutdowns, 30 states have started or will soon begin to return to work and some parts of public life. Now here's the rub. Most of these states are reopening with more new cases or a higher share of positive tests than just two weeks ago. Whew. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said. Mama said, Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, my Mama said. Yeah, Mama said there'd be days like this. But even my amazing mom couldn't have predicted days like this. Days where two-fifths of America is staying home right now and being careful, and three-fifths of America has leadership that's trying to kill the rest of us and kill our moms. Three-fifths of America is rolling the dice with mom's life. And by Father's Day, we'll see how that goes. If you listen to the smart mom, the one with the PhD, and not the wannabe cool mom, not the one who wants to be the next Sarah Palin, if you listen to the smart mom, the scientist mom, you know that the likelihood is high that come the fall, you're going to hope to have your mom in a state that was careful and conservative about reopening. And no matter what the president says, in the next few weeks, Mother Nature and the virus may have a very different message. The virus requires a rational, scientific, strategic response. The virus requires a calm response. The virus requires governors to be like a Michelle Obama kind of mom, not a Kids Bob Karen kind of mom. My kids can't hear me calling you a The window's open. They can't hear me because they're listening to Kids Bob. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, really sorry. You are? No, it's my, it's my, it's my it fault. It is your fault. Yeah, I know it's my fault. That's why I'm, I'm saying sorry. Eh? She thinks it's cute that her driver almost hit my kids. And she thinks she needs to take a video of it instead of apologizing like a safe okay. Stopping in the middle okay. of the road is going to help? You being a b is going to help? I'm insane. I don't know. Calm down. Calm down. It's okay. I'm sorry. He it's apologized. My, it's, my, it's, it's, it's my fault. He apologized. It's my fault. Yeah, I know. It's and my... you know what? It, that didn't upset me. But yeah. the b sorry. that told me to calm down? What I'd like you to do is apologize instead of being a b you're calling me sorry, but you're calling me a oh, set, an, set an example. I'm sorry. I'm kind of old now, but my friend Karen actually broke the whole Karen mom thing down for me. Apparently, Karen is a mocking slang term for an entitled, obnoxious, middle-aged white woman. 
especially as featured in memes. Karen is generally stereotyped as having a blonde bob haircut, asking to speak to retail and restaurant managers to voice complaints and or make demands, and being a nagging, often divorced mother from Generation X. Well, in a time of the pandemic, in my view, we need more governors like Gretchen Whitmer and less governors like South Dakota's Christy Noem, who's like the kids Bob Karen of governors. We're all just trying to survive, and we're all just trying to make the best of it. We're all just trying to make our moms proud, and we're all just riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. So 1.37 million people in America have now been infected. That's massive. That's more than the entire population of Dallas, Texas. It's almost the population of San Diego, California. It's more than every city in America except for the top seven. And more than the entire population of the country of Latvia. It's more than the population of 81 countries. And COVID-19 remains the leading cause of death in the United States right now. And it's impacting every industry in America. Even the scourge of public transportation. If you're a regular listener to this show, you know that electric scooters are something that makes me and many others angry. And has for a long time. Well, I always thought scooters were like the roaches of technology that would never die. But even scooters are being hit by the coronavirus. The company Lime is an e-scooter leader. And the startup has laid off 13% of its workforce due to financial difficulties created by the pandemic. The layoff affects 80 to 100 employees across all teams and regions around the globe. They've had to pause operations in 99% of the markets worldwide to support cities' efforts at social distancing. And Lime isn't the only e-scooter company doing layoffs. Bird eliminated 400 positions, and Lyft has disclosed plans to lay off 17% of its workforce. So maybe the pandemic will create some positive change in America. Scooters are taking a hit, and there's a return to the basics. It may be a bad time for scooters, but there's probably never been a better time in history for skateboarding. Think about it. Empty streets, landmarks wide open, and no cops to give skaters shit. And your mom doesn't have to worry about you getting hit by a car. But despite any potential upside, the stakes in most of government especially, have never been higher. Especially for our national defense. Not only are our defenses not focused on skateboarders, they're not focused enough on our enemies. So as America loses more citizens to COVID-19 than we did to the Vietnam War, our enemies in Russia, Iran, and North Korea are watching, pushing, and celebrating. And our president is, of course, not helping. You probably missed it, but there's still conflict happening around the globe. That includes North Korean troops firing multiple gunshots towards South Korean troops in the DMZ, dividing the peninsula last week, prompting the South Korean forces to fire back. 
It was a very unusual exchange of gunfire that came just a day after North Korean state media reported that leader Kim Jong-un had made his first public appearance in nearly three weeks. Prior to that, there was intense speculation about his health and whether or not he was dead and the stability of the isolated nation. So a South Korean guard post got hit by several shots from the north. The Joint Chiefs of Staff in Seoul said in a statement that no casualties were reported in the south. But while the North Koreans are firing on our allies, Trump was tweeting happiness about the fact that Kim Jong-un was alive. He wrote, I, for one, am glad to see he's back and well. That's actually what he wrote. So Kim Jong-un may be alive and well, but Secretary of Defense Mark Esper and our civilian leadership in the military continues to struggle with the virus. And finally, some senators are taking action. Senator Maisie Hirono from Hawaii and nine other senators sent a lengthy letter to Defense Secretary Mark Esper blasting him for what they say has been a haphazard, non-transparent, and risky Pentagon response to the pandemic. And I think it's about time. Among other things, they questioned the decision to have the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt conduct a port call in Vietnam, which preceded a highly publicized outbreak at a time when the virus was spreading. If you listen to the show, you know the deal. It resulted in the firing of Captain Crozier, the resignation of Acting Secretary Modley, and a whole bunch of chaos. And the chaos and lack of clarity continues. As the Military Times is reporting that now coronavirus survivors are being banned from joining the military at all. But despite the chaos, at least we've still got these folks. That's the Blue Angels and Thunderbirds plane teams continuing their tours nationwide. They started out in New York City, Newark, Trenton, Philly. Then they went to D.C., Atlanta, Baltimore, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and New Orleans. And next up, they're headed to Miami and Jacksonville. These are all cities that have been hit hard or maybe we'll be hit hard soon. And coming up, I'll talk to Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner about how hard moms have been hit in those cities and nationwide. And it'll make you angry. But almost nothing will make you more angry than how veterans continue to be decimated by the virus nationwide, including many moms, many more grandmoms, and even more granddads. Because the greatest generation of World War II veterans continue to be lost by the minute. And if you were paying attention, you know that the number of deaths from coronavirus connected to the Veterans Affairs Health System rose by more than 80% in the last week. So besides VA inpatients, the count now includes VA patients who died at their homes or in community hospitals. Previously, those vets were omitted from the department's data. So I told you we can't trust VA's data. And you can't trust them to even release the data. Over the last week, for 84 hours, the VA provided no updates. That means for three days, the VA provided absolutely no updates on COVID-19 cases or deaths. And to top it all off, their website went down. It was the longest we had gone since the pandemic started without any update at all. And it comes as veterans continue to be lost nationwide. And after two days of no new deaths, another veteran died at the soldier's home in Holyoke, bringing the total death toll in that facility now to 85. 85 veterans have died in Holyoke now, 85. And the number of employees who have tested positive has also increased to 83. It's the first time in weeks the numbers moved from 81 since the outbreak started. 
And finally, some U.S. senators are taking action and calling for an investigation. And they've called on the Government Accountability Office to conduct a detailed examination of VA's oversight of state-run veterans' homes and their quality of care. A letter came this week from Democratic Senators Elizabeth Warren and Ed Markey of Massachusetts, Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, and John Tester of Montana, the ranking member in the Veterans Affairs Committee. And it's about damn time that a national focus finally came to Holyoke and so many of these other veterans' facilities. It's disgusting that it's taken this long. And it's not just Holyoke. It's St. John's Parish in New Orleans, Paramus, New Jersey, and many other facilities, including Stony Brook in New York, Richmond, Virginia, West Palm Beach, Florida, Rowan County, North Carolina, Scarborough, Maine, East Vincent Township, Pennsylvania, Alex City, Alabama, Floresville, Texas, Oxford, New York, Reserve, Louisiana, Bristol, Rhode Island, and more. And if you're not angry about this, you are not paying attention. And when you pay attention to mom this weekend... Let her know she needs to pay attention, too. And there's another issue that's got me angry. It's got others angry and should have everyone angry. But it seems to be increasingly off the radar. And that's the race for president. And moms are going to be key to this election. And there's some new polling out that shows the partisan divide around how people view the pandemic. Many Republican governors have started the process of reopening their economies, while Democratic executives have moved more slowly to lift state shutdowns and slow the COVID spread. When you look at the party breakdown, it's pretty significant. Only 12 percent of Democratic voters responded that the effects of the coronavirus are starting to get better, versus 66 percent who said that things are still getting worse. At the same time, 69 percent of GOP voters said things are starting to get better, while only 19 percent said that things are getting worse. And party identification drives feelings around the economy as well. Nine in 10 Democrats think the economy is probably or definitely in a recession, but only 40% of GOP voters say the same. And across parties, Biden continues to widen his lead over Trump, including in the latest Monmouth poll. But Justin Amash, independent from Michigan, may or may not present a problem. Because Biden currently has the support of 50% of registered voters, and Trump has about 41%. But about 3% say they would vote for an independent candidate, and 5% are undecided. But the headline is that this represents the biggest lead for a Democrat so far, up from 48% to 44% in April and 48% to 45% in March. And when Justin Amash is added to the mix as a libertarian candidate, Biden gets 47 percent, Trump gets 40 percent, and Amash gets 5 percent. During the last presidential cycle, Gary Johnson started his presidential bid as a libertarian with 11 percent support in March, and it dropped all the way down to 5 percent by October, and he ended up with just 3 percent in the end. But fewer than one in five voters have an opinion of Amash. And yes, Amash is actually still running, sort of. And the only person who might vote for him is his mom. And he's not actually running as an independent. He's running as a libertarian. So he's not running under no party. He's seeking to run from the libertarian party. I don't know why we just can't get a good candidate as an independent, but this is the guy that may emerge. When you look at a lot of different polling out there, you'll see that a good portion of the country, probably a plurality, is pretty independent. And they are looking for another choice. They might prefer one candidate or the other if you have a two-candidate field. But if you make it a three-candidate field and you have a compelling candidate, they'd be delighted to go to that candidate. And for too long, we've had the same system where these two parties go at each other. And Washington is totally dysfunctional. That's why I left the Republican Party, because there was this partisan death spiral. 
We need someone who's going to come in as president, respect our constitution, defend our rights, and fix our representative system of government so that people will actually feel represented at home. And I know that millions of Americans want that. That's a mash on CNN with Jake Tapper. I am an independent, a true independent. And a mash is not what I need. He's not what I want. And he's not what America wants. And I think he'll be out of there pretty soon and running home to mama. We always say look for the helpers. That's a theme of this show, and especially now. We need our helpers more than ever. And they continue to emerge. So many moms are helpers. And so, apparently, are farmers. Support is poured into New York from all across the country. And maybe the most humble of all gifts was a single N95 mask that actually brought tears to the eyes of our state's governor, Andrew Cuomo. Well, a single act of generosity is having a huge impact. Sharon and Dennis Runke are farmers from Kansas. They saw what was going on in New York and they sent the one mask they had to Governor Cuomo of New York to give to a health care worker. Well, we are not, we, we, we don't know anybody in New York. So when my husband did this, it was because we had been talking about you know, what was going on in New York and how bad we felt. We wished we could do something for them. Um, you know, it wasn't, we didn't do it for recognition or anything like that. And the letter they sent even said they didn't expect Governor Cuomo would even read the letter. Governor Cuomo saying this act of generosity makes up for a lot of the ugliness we see. A, Absolutely. A moment that really touched a lot of people. So retired farmer in Kansas named Dennis Runke mailed the mask to Governor Andrew Cuomo, saying that he hoped it could be used for a doctor or a nurse. Cuomo read the entire letter at one of his daily briefings as an example of courage and generosity in these dark times. And Dennis said, I'm a retired farmer hunkered down in northeast Kansas with my wife, who has but one lung and occasional problems with her remaining lung. He wrote a handwritten letter to Cuomo that was also signed by his wife, Sharon. And he said, we're in our 70s now, and frankly, I'm afraid for her. He wrote, enclosed, find a solitary N95 mask left over from my farming days. It's never been used, the letter said. If you could, could you please give this mask to a nurse or a doctor in your city? And Cuomo got teared up. He said, you want to talk about a snapshot of humanity? You have five masks. What do you do? Do you keep all five? Do you hide the five masks? Do you keep for yourself and others? No. You send one mask. You send one mask to New York for a doctor or a nurse. How beautiful is that? How selfless is that? How giving is that? It's that love, that courage, that generosity of spirit that makes this country so beautiful. And it's that generosity that makes up for all the ugliness that you can see. Take one mask, I'll keep four. And the farmer said, I would have felt terrible if I threw it away, but it made me feel pretty good to send it on to someone who might be able to use it. They sounded almost desperate for masks, so I thought it was just one little gesture. And maybe if you get enough of these little gestures, it will all come out for the better in the end. That's what the helpers believe, and that's what the helpers can show. And the helpers are often helpers for their own families and for others. Like one doctor in Brooklyn named Dr. Melanie Malloy. CBS had the story. So all this week, we're honoring moms, including one who's busy caring for her grateful family and some very lucky patients. 
Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. Four-year-old Amina Malloy has a tough time sharing her mom. Amina, is it hard when your mom goes to work? Yes. It's almost 10 o'clock at night. She didn't want to go to bed without seeing me. Dr. Melanie Malloy works 12-hour shifts at Mount Sinai Hospital in Brooklyn. Everybody has coronavirus. Treating some of its sickest patients. I think that's the hardest part, just being alone when I come home. Malloy's husband died two years ago, leaving her alone to raise Max, Leah, and Amina. It was devastating. It redefined her role as a mother, a job that inspires her even in these dark times. I just look at them and I think of all the possibilities that they could help the world with. That You know, I just, I can't wait to see who they become in life. They want to be just like her, which may be the greatest Mother's Day gift of all. I looked up to my mom in career-wise and um, and as my mom. She saves people's lives. Do you think your mom's a superhero? Yeah, I love her so much and her the best mom in the world. She's the best mommy in the world? Thank you, baby. A super mom saving lives by day and molding three young lives at night. Meg Oliver, CBS News, New York. So many moms are helpers and many are also solo. But in this show, I want them to know that they're appreciated. They're not alone and we have their back. When we look for the helpers, we look for the heroes. And so many of them are moms. And one of the greatest helpers of all is Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner. She's just a girl and she's on fire. Hotter than a fantasy. Lonely like a highway. She's As the war against the virus continues, our nation's moms are on the front lines. And every frontline army needs a field general. And that's what Kristen is. She's the executive director and co-founder of Moms Rising. She's been involved in public policy and grassroots engagement for more than two decades. She's gotten numerous awards for her work, and she's an award-winning author of books and articles. She's a frequent public speaker, a media contributor, and the host of her own radio program. She's a former political director, policy analyst, and political strategy consultant for nonprofits and foundations. And she's an outstanding, inspiring, and innovative leader. Kristen was once asked what was the best advice she ever got from her mom. And she said, sometimes in life you have to climb to the top of the high dives and jump, even if it's scary. And even if it means that you might do a very public and somewhat painful belly flop, you'll always be able to swim to the surface to try again. Never regret trying. Kristen is always trying. She's always trying for millions of mothers all across this country and around the world. And as Angry Americans continues our groundbreaking focus on the frontline fighters of the war against COVID-19, we'll meet another inspiring guest that's shaping the fabric of America's future, shaping our great American experiment. Kristen is driving the future of motherhood in America and beyond. She's a voice for the voiceless. She's a voice for your mom, for my mom, for you, for your children, for all of us. And in this episode, we're bringing a mother low to the four eyes. It's the integrity of endless late nights of bottles and diapers. It's the information of countless books read before bedtime. 
It's the inspiration of balancing work and family decade after decade. And it's the powerful impact of a mother's love. Welcome to an examination of motherhood in the face of the coronavirus. Welcome to Mother's Day in the pandemic. Welcome to Angry Americans, episode 58. gentlemen, angry Americans around the country and around the world, an early happy Mother's Day. I am so excited to have, I think, the perfect guest for this time in the calendar, this time in our history, and this time in my life, and I hope yours, uh, a very dear and powerful friend of mine, the great and powerful Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Welcome, my friend. It's so it's so good to see you. You too. And, and happy early Mother's Day to happy, you and everyone. Happy Mother's Day to you. You are such a force of nature. And ever since I started this show, I've been eager to talk to you. And now is the absolute and, and, and total perfect time. Um, but I want to start by asking you, how are you? Uh, it's, we're, we're covering leaders in the pandemic. How are you? How are the people you're with and where are you and what is it like where you are, my friend? Well, my answer lately has been medium rare because, you know, you don't just want to say I'm great. It's not great. Lots of things that are horrible are happening. And so how do you even answer that question? Um, we're hearing from the voices of moms across the country every day about the struggles people are facing with their health, with their economics. Home economics takes on a new meaning right now in their lives with their children. And so it's, it's a time where we're all needing to rise up and have our voices heard no matter where we are. And I'm in Kirkland, Washington, to answer your question. <laughs> and for folks who don't know, how far is Kirkland? You, you can see Seattle outside your window, right? Which was really the front lines for America in this fight against the coronavirus. We talked to Flo Groberg a couple weeks ago. He was in Seattle. Can you, can you paint the picture of what it's like, you know, in your home and, and in the area around where you are now? Yeah, I mean... I live in Kirkland, Washington, specifically, as I just said, which is about 1.5 miles from where the first fatalities occurred from COVID-19. So we've had in our tiny community here, relatively tiny, you know, there's only a couple grocery stores and a few places to get gas that we're all using along with the over 150 workers that were working in that facility, more than half of whom tested positive, um, have had a big big hit on our local community in terms of the number of people who have been sick with COVID-19. And so it's been really hard. I will say that our community has taken very seriously the stay-at-home orders. There's been no kind of breakout parties or gatherings that we hear about around the country. We've been hearing that around the country, you know, for the past several weeks going, what? What are they doing? I mean, when we first heard about COVID-19 here, the fatality rate was so high because epidemiologists had heard, had discovered that it had been community spread in our community for more than seven weeks before the first fatality. And so when we first heard about the fatalities was when we first heard about the disease, the virus at all. And so everybody got scared immediately into their houses. Um, and, you know, more than a third of our fire department and our police department pretty much got quarantined in that first week in early March, too. So it's been, it's been, it's been real. 
Paul has been real. <laughs> I, I really want to, this is going to be a conversation for any mom, for any future mom, for anybody who's had a mom, like anyone who knows a mom, right? And, and, and it really is, I think, an important time to have this conversation with you. But, uh, but on a personal level, uh, you know, you and I have known each other now for, I don't know, I feel like almost two decades, right? We met through the social entrepreneurship space and you've been a friend and an ally and an inspiration and a role model in many ways. And to see you and the organization Moms Rising that you've created grow in power and dynamism has been just amazing. Um, but you are also one of my favorite people to talk to. You're brilliant. You're interesting. Uh, you're, you're dynamic. And I want to ask you the question I ask of all of, all of our guests, uh, Kristen, what is your drink of choice when you are stepping away from being the, ch the champion for moms? What is your adult beverage or cocktail of choice? My adult beverage of choice was brought to me by my grandma, who is 104 years old and smarter than me, and my mom and my aunts. Everybody drinks Manhattans. Nothing else. Really? That's the only drink in my family. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a really, really strong, strong answer. <laughs> no other choice. <laughs> do you have a, do you, is there a special family recipe or way that you, you, you serve or enjoy your Manhattans? Every day, you're supposed to have one at 5 o'clock. I forget. I forget, but my grandma, again, she is 104 and smarter than me, still to this day at 5 p.m., has one every day at 5 o'clock. Wow. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a fantastic answer. My <laughs> Aunt Angie is 102, um, and she's on Facebook, and uh, she's amazing, and I feel like, like they should get together and have some Manhattans and talk about the secret of life. <laughs> totally. I mean, my grandma is so funny. She gives me so many secrets to life, all of which are useful right now. One of them is always look for the positive and you will be able to find it. The negative is out there, but look for the positive and bring energy that way. But her other favorite piece of advice that I love and I try to take to heart is always try to leave every place you go a little bit better than you found it. And that means you wipe the sink when you're in the public restrooms and you wipe out bad public policy when you're looking at our government. <laughs> She's funny. This, this, this is, I love how this is starting already. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew it wouldn't, it wouldn't disappoint. So, Kristen, before you started Moms Rising, um, you have two kids of your own, and, and you work nonstop. You become a media force. But when you were growing up back in the day, um, for folks who were newer to your work and to your life, where, where did you grow up, and what was your first car? Oh, my goodness. I was born in Chicago. I went to elementary, middle school, and high school just outside of D.C. on the Maryland side. And my first car was after I graduated from college. That is my dog. Her name is Junie, and she is also a part of the family here. I think there's a bunny in the yard. It's spring. <laughs> but my first car was a Datsun and it was a great car. I had to start it with a screwdriver because it was not very new, this car. And so I also didn't have a ton of money. So I spent a lot of time in the junkyards getting car parts for my Datsun as it fell apart. And so I learned a lot about cars with my first car. And that was kind of fun because now modern cars, you can't do that anymore. A hundred percent. That's amazing. Do you know what year it was and what color it was, Kristen? It was kind of like a maroony, dirty color. And I have no idea what year it was except old. <laughs> it was used when I got it. <laughs> well used. 
So yeah, I love that car though. I, I love it. I, I love it. Fix the car that you're friends with. You know, the car will only stay fixed. If you don't know what you're doing when you're fixing a car, unless you're friends with the car, it will not work. So we were friends because it actually allowed me to fix it is all I'm saying. It drove after I, you know, put parts in it. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. That I, there's so much insight already. Um, <laughs> for folks who are listening and not watching, I'm coming to you, uh, uh, recording to you from the second time in what we're calling Studio Delta. And the 69 Camaro SS is behind me. Uh, it's orange. It is, it is, it is my new friend. Uh, it will become a dear friend, but it still doesn't have a name. So that's open out there and the internet and everywhere else for folk, folks to suggest names. We've heard everything from Orange Crush to Agent Orange, uh, a lot of other ideas coming out. But did your, I have to ask you, because we've heard about your dog, did the car have a name, Kristen? The car was Bertha. I don't know why. She was a good car. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked. I'm so glad I asked. Okay, so now that we've got a, a pretty decent understanding of where you came from, where you are, your dog, your car, your, your, your family, um, getting down to, to the work that, is, that, is, that you are better at than anybody I've ever known. You know, you've met with presidents, you've been on Capitol Hill, you've been all over the media, and you are, you know, I think the champion for moms. You've got over a million members at, at Moms Rising. So everybody I'm talking to right now is a frontline leader in the fight against the coronavirus. So can you start by, by setting the stage for us? How is the pandemic hitting moms? And, and what is the landscape like right now for moms across America? Well, first of all, I want to dive under the table with those compliments. Thank you for them. And it's not me. I work with an amazing team of people at Moms Rising, as well as the million members across the country. So I just have to say that because, you know, blushing and freaking out. That was... <laughs> But um, what's happening with moms is ridiculous. I mean, moms are everyday superheroes. Clearly, moms are the superheroes in our nation. Moms are on the front lines saving lives in healthcare. Moms are on the front lines lifting our economy. Moms are on the front lines caring for our families. But when you look at what's happening, the impact, we are disproportionately impacted by what's happening with the pandemic. So right now, just take the healthcare field. Now, no, first of all, I love numbers. It's embarrassing. I love numbers. I love stats. But I'll share a couple with you. 86% of women do become moms in the United States of America. So that means it's the majority of women. And when we go back and look at who is in our healthcare force and who's being impacted, 78% of the healthcare workers who have come down with coronavirus are women and moms. It's ridiculous. We need to get people access to personal safety equipment. We need to get people access to sick days, to time off. There's a lot of supports that we need to put into place. Similarly, economics. Moms are the true superheroes in so many ways of our economy. And yet right now we have, even though we have three quarters of moms are in the labor force and more than 40% of primary breadwinners right now are moms in our country, um, we look at what's happening with the unemployment insurance and the direct payments and it's just simply not enough. You know, we've been fighting hard in Congress to get the expansions on the unemployment insurance and the direct payments and we've made some headway that we have so much more work to do and I could talk to you about it for five hours about the work to do. I don't want to bore you, but we have lots of demands and we have really a lot of demands relating to caregiving too because right now we have as everybody listening knows we've brought all of that teaching all of those jobs into the house so the word mom like I'm sure you've all heard the mom 
mom, you know, the 18 syllable word mom, like you're hear your kid yelling it for like, I don't know how many syllables get in this one word with three letters. You know, there's that many jobs as there are syllables in the word moms. There's like the 18 syllable word mom has 18 job titles. And one of them is teacher. Another is psychologist. Another one of them is medical professional. Like all of that has brought in to the home onto moms. And we haven't really changed the structure of support or see, I told you I could go on for a long time or <laughs> the fact that right now, because we haven't invested in our childcare system, about 50% of those childcare centers are in danger of not being able to reopen so that when parents do go back to work after the stay-at-home work orders are over, there may not be a place for the kids to go so the parents can go to work. So anyway, you asked what's the state of mom, and it really goes back to my beginning answer of medium rare. Like, it is not good out there. There's a lot of work to do. Good news is our voices are powerful. We are making forward momentum. We just need to keep raising them. I love the stats, and I love the analysis because I think it really crystallizes the stakes and the scope. Um, I, I want to drill down, if we can, Kristen, on, on one stat that you brought up. So we talked to Tom Colicchio a couple weeks ago who said he thinks as many as 50% of restaurants may not come back. Um, the child care piece is, is, I think, essential here. And, and can you shape, you know, what do those child care centers look like? I mean, are they, are they daycare centers? Are they mom and pops? Uh, are they industries? You know, when you say 50%, that, that's devastating. And I don't think most folks listening were probably tracking on that until they heard you say that. So can, can you drill down on that a little bit? And then what do you see as a long-term impact um, to families, moms and kids and everyone else because of that? I mean, can, can, do we need a bailout for, for child care centers? And if that doesn't come, what happens next? Well, first, we absolutely need a bailout for childcare centers, and it is not a small price tag. It is actually 50 billion with a B dollars needs to be put into our childcare infrastructure immediately in order to stop the loss of those 50% of all existing childcare centers. So everybody's listening. It wouldn't be me if I didn't do a call for action. Yeah. Please call your member of Congress and ask them to put funding for childcare into the next congressional relief package. So what's happening? What size child care center is at risk? The sad answer is all sizes. I mean, going into this pandemic, we had a situation that was a rolling emergency across the United States of America in relation to child care facilities, where parents can't afford to pay any more. Child care already costs more than college in most states. We can't pay child care workers any less. Child care workers are already among the lowest paid workers in our nation. And so we have already parents on the line and the child care centers on the line in terms of just barely making ends meet, which is why this pandemic has tipped so many over. So it's tipped over the edge, the big child care centers. I've done interviews and heard stories from the big child care centers who are just barely making ends meet coming into the pandemic. Similar, the smaller child care centers, they're unable to continue paying their employees while they are stay at home orders in effect. And so those centers and the mom and pop ones are also on the line. So one of the parts that we need in the bailout is actually to keep paying the workers, mm -hmm. even while we are not having children in those workplaces, because the other thing we're tied into all of this, because it's all tied in together, is that, you know, the primary folks, the majority of folks who are essential workers are women and moms right now, just in a pure numbers state. So what happens when essential workers don't have a childcare facility for their kids to go to while they do that essential work? Mm. Absolute mayhem. So <laughs> we need investments now and in the future. 
you have been great at being an advocate and raising public awareness, but also getting things done. You know, when I was at IABA, you guys were on a parallel track, passing bills, moving legislation at the state level and at the national level. But we're in a, you know, not just a, a, a healthcare new normal, but a political new normal with Trump in the White House. And, um, you know, we've got Mike Pence's VP. Now we've got Joe Biden. It, we will not have a mom as the next president of the United States, barring some kind of, you know, change of events that's catastrophic. We may have a mom as the VP nominee. Can you talk about the political landscape specifically under Trump and how that has impacted moms and what you would like to see going forward? And, and frankly, how important it is, is it to you that Biden picks someone who's a mom? Yeah, that's a hard question. You asked about 500 hard questions in a row. <laughs> yeah. First of all, have any of you ever been or have you been at the dinner table and like you were not wanting to eat your green beans or your Brussels sprouts or something like that and you pushed them to the side of the plate or try to put them in your napkin and your mom noticed? Yeah. <laughs> yes, many times, often. Yes. <laughs> so Donald Trump is sort of like that. He's like the toddler who is, you know, trying to push the green beans or the Brussels sprouts or something, trying to hide what's really going on from moms. But moms know better, right? Moms know when toddlers have a tantrum. Moms know when somebody's trying to get away with something or is fibbing. Unfortunately, Donald Trump's fibs have life-losing consequences. And so we're seeing increasing uh, concern, increasing frustration, increasing anger from moms in every state in the nation across all kinds of political stripes um, about what is actually happening, particularly in this pandemic when the mistruths, to put it nicely, <laughs> are so obvious, you know, I mean, it's so ridiculous. So, um, you know, what Donald Trump is doing right now is clearly a violation of the mom policy. <laughs> so, so that's happening yeah. and what does that mean that means that moms are thinking about voting in more um active ways already thinking about voting it means that our volunteers are up our engagement is up at moms rising we're seeing moms rising across the country unlike ever before people are paying attention more closely to the election they're concerned is there going to be an election is there going to be um, attempts at a delay of the election and moms are there to say no way no how we're not going to let a delay happen in this next national election in november we're going to cast our ballots and we're going to do it because we're in this together for the future of our nation. Yeah. I, I, when, I, when I think about the, the historic landscape, you know, my focus has obviously been on veterans and it's been, you know, a long time since we've had a veteran in the White House. But there's never been a mom in the White House, right? As a president, right? Like you've had Michelle Obama, who you work closely with, was such a powerful force. But, but it's really shocking to think about the fact that we've never had a mom as president or vice president, right? Maybe the closest we got was Hillary Clinton or Geraldine Ferraro, right, that were, that were a step away. But when you look to the VP candidates, on, on, you know, it, it's now widely reported Biden's going to pick, uh, pick a woman, right? He said he's going to pick a woman. So it could be somebody like Amy Klobuchar. It could be Kamala Harris. It could be uh, Elizabeth Warren. Do, does Moms Rising or do you have a favorite among them? Um, that you think will best represent your community? We don't have a stated favorite, but I want to touch on the mom leadership point. And that's an important one. There's been an analysis of the response of world leaders to the pandemic 
And unsurprisingly, that analysis has found that countries that have a mom as their national leader are doing better. That is all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we need more moms in leadership. Moms save lives, they save the economy, and they make you eat your Brussels sprouts so you live longer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I appreciate all of that answer, okay? Especially the, the diplomacy of it. Um, when, when we look at the landscape, this is angry Americans, right? And we say all the time, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. I think moms have plenty of reason to be righteously angry, and they often work with you about turning that anger into positive impact, and, and now it's going to be absolutely critical. But there is good reason to be outraged, I think. But when you, when you look at the landscape, Kristen, um, and, and you think about the situation for moms or, or beyond, you know, Kristen Rowe, Finkbeiner, what makes you angry? Oh, so many things make my hair light on fire and smoke come actually out of my ears on a daily basis. I mean, right now, the fact that Donald Trump is consistently lying to the American public, starting out in early March saying anybody could have a test. And of course, still, months later, that is so not true. You know, starting out talking about um, supply chains and the parts of the supply chains that the federal government should be supplying to states and then turning it around and calling the very spectacular governor of Michigan that woman instead of working with her on actually supplying the real-life life-saving supplies that the states need and should depend on, rightfully depend on, from the federal government including also that states are having to come together, like Washington, where I am, uh, California, Oregon, and some other states coming together to do the job that the federal government was supposed to do in terms of saving lives. I mean, all of that, every day, my hair lights on fire, and, um, and it fires me up to keep going. <laughs> can, you, um, can you drill down on, on, from a personal standpoint? You know, you are, you're not just uh, you know, the, the president, you're also a member. Right. So you are every day raising two children of your own and and providing the guidance and wisdom and all the all those pieces of motherhood that are so essential. But um, do you have any personal insights uh, into how to be a mom, how to survive, how to thrive, however you, you describe it? You know, your lessons learned, especially maybe for a new mom who, who may be facing a pretty daunting environment. What, what, what are your um, you know, lessons learned as a mom that you want to pass on to others, to include dads and anyone else who cares about mom? I think one of the biggest lessons is that your voice is more powerful than you think in terms of making change. So never give up. You know, never, ever give up. Sometimes things take a long time to change. I know you know that too, Paul. <laughs> you know, sometimes policies seem like they take forever, but change is actually possible. So when you're wondering if making that phone call to a member of Congress or, you know, signing on that petition or anything like that is going to make a difference, just know that it will and take the moment to do it. Now, as a parent, the other thing that we hear a lot from other parents is, Paul, it is now hailing to a, there's a ton of hail outside. So if your listeners here, you know, like, I'm going to say they're nickel-sized hail pieces coming down. Wow. The dog knew. The, do the dog knew. The dog was trying to warn you. Like, occasionally during this interview, the dog has been cheering you on. I think other times the dog is trying to let you know, hey, dude, it's hailing outside. This is crazy shit, right? <laughs> She's, like, under my chair right now. So your listeners are going to experience Judy the dog and hail noises. I apologize yeah. for that. No, it's it's all real. We're, we keep it real. <laughs> 
<laughs> so um, hopefully we don't get murder bees next, which for those of you who are following the news, the murder hornets or murder bees or whatever, the only place they've been found is in Washington State. So I'm like... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I got I to gotta pause you there. I haven't seen this. Maybe what the hell are mur murder bees and murder hornets? Murder hornets were in the New York Times this week. Um, so people can check them out. I'm not making it up. But um, there are these giant, giant hornets that have come in from a different country. And people are very concerned about them because they wipe out our bees that are here in the United States of America. But also, apparently, they could kill you if they bite you. And so they're big enough wow. that you could tie a streamer to them to track them to their nest. And they will be able to fly into their home and you can like run after them as they're you know follow pulling the streamer behind them right. and so there was this big article in the new york times and i of course read it because it was had murder hornets and then i'm reading it and the fine type you know like 18 paragraphs in it's like and only found in washington state where i am and i was like what are you talking about <laughs> you guys are having a rough you're having a rough run in in washington but um so that's terrifying but yes. I, wanted to, I wanted to drill down onto something else that, on a serious note, is, is maybe potentially terrifying. I asked you about this as we were getting ready to have this discussion, Kristen, but I, I think folks uh, sometimes forget, unless you're, you're experiencing it yourself in a time of crisis or anxiety, you know, you can get kind of a tunnel vision. And I think most folks, unless they're experiencing it, haven't thought about what the pandemic is like for people who are pregnant. Yes. Um, and I've got some friends who are pregnant right now. They're due soon or they're due in a little while. Can you shape what that looks like and, and what folks should know and, and care about specifically with regard to people who are pregnant right now? Yeah. Well, this is another area where we just had another win at Moms Rising. The CDC was not following the World Health Organization's guidance on how to treat pregnant women, people who are delivering babies, what to do in hospitals. And we're actually, um, the CDC guidelines did not make it clear that you did not have to separate the mom from the baby. You did not have to presume the mom COVID positive and also called into question what was going to happen with breastfeeding support. So the World Health Organization <laughs> guidance. Uh, dogs got your back. The dogs got your back. The dog's like, the dog's basically saying, hell yeah, or hell yeah, every time. <laughs> Well, yeah, the dog is right back, and she's like, hello, Mom, there is some weird weather here, which there is, by the way. I mean, seriously, I've never seen hail as big as I've seen during this interview. So, uh, yes, that's happening. Yeah. But, um, so what I suggest for pregnant women and women who are going to give birth is to really know your rights. So check out the World Health Organization guidelines for pregnant women and women delivering birth and know them, bring them to your doctor. Because there has been so much confusion uh, because of the CDC putting out confusing guidance, um, there still is a lot of that confusion out there. So the CDC has updated their guidance. I want to underscore that for people who are listeners. So you can also tell your doctor the CDC has updated their guidance. So that means that you can have people with you when you give birth. Whereas for a while, we probably all saw in the news that that was not necessarily the case. Mm. I, that, that was some of the most powerful, um, I think, reporting, Kristen, early on when we heard stories of, of uh, moms giving birth in isolation. There was a, a big feature piece on CNN of a mom that was in a military hospital in Europe before it kind of swept over here. But I, I want to ask you to drill down on another piece with, with your wisdom and perspective. 
like right now, the country is reopening in many places, right? And in part, there's some folks who say, oh, it's just affecting the sick or it's just affecting the old or it's just affecting a small number of people. But um, now, you know, there, there are some cases of, of symptoms and, and, and uh, secondary effects for some children in isolated incidents. Can you talk about um, your best analysis of, of how this is impacting children to include on a mental health basis? But also, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, and some of this is, 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 uh, is a leading question, but how different would this be if kids were getting sick? Right. I mean, like we're, we're, there's kind of this flippant response because kids haven't gotten sick, but we could be, you know, one or two days away from a couple kids getting sick and then everything's upside down. So can you just kind of share your thoughts on, on that whole perspective? That's such a big question. I know. I, think, I know. I'm sorry. For the, I'm sorry for the magnitude of the question, but you're one of the smartest people I know. And I think you can help pull it apart. <laughs> I don't know. I could try. I mean, I think one of the things that we're hearing from scientists and I think it's important right now to pay close attention to scientists and not politicians. Um, and I, so that's the first little bit of advice relating to children. You know, there's been a lot of hype out there in the news headlines. And we're seeing also heightened coverage of some types of sensationalized ways that people are experiencing illness. And so pay attention to the science, not the sensational headlines, right? Because we don't also want a lot of people getting scared unnecessarily. And so I think it's important for that. For children, and what would happen if children were more impacted, um, I mean, it's just horrifying what's happening to people of all ages. And I think that what we need with children is to have an open dialogue with our kids about what's going on and how we have to each pretend that we have it to protect our communities. Mm. You know, even if we don't have it, we need to still pretend we have it just so that we don't get other people sick. Mm. But also, I think, really trying to explain to children about why staying home is important, why not being around other kids is important. And all of that are hard conversations we're hearing from our members. It's a hard conversation even with you to think about, like how long is this going to last is a question that we often get from our kids. And, you know, we don't know the answer. So bringing children on that journey of both being reassuring that we're doing everything we can to protect you. You know, we're going to keep you safe as adults. It's not your job to keep us adults safe, it's our job to keep you safe, and you will be okay for our children is so important. But also making sure that we probably hide some of the news from them. Mm. Yeah, you know, in the last episode, we talked to Anya Kamenetz, and she talked about the impact on schools and kind of thinking about it, not as a one-time event, but a new reality where we prepare for snow days, right? And, you know, when, this, when it snows, we don't know if it's going to last for one day or for four days and if it's going to be three inches or 10 inches. And there, there's a the lack of knowing that I think we, we prepare for in that way. And I feel like we have to now start to prepare for not just for this pandemic, but, but future pandemics. Um, and so when you think about what's next, Kristen, we've had two uh, emergency supplementals coming through, coming through. You've talked about a third and the need for uh, a focus on childcare areas. Are there other strategic strikes that you need and that you want folks to advocate for, for again, not knowing how long this goes on, you're great at prioritizing and then, uh, and then focusing on, on what's needed most. What, what are the, the top priorities that you see for the indefinite future? We have so many priorities. Yeah. We're sending in lists to Congress that are like four pages long each week, updated, just in case you're wondering. I mean, the thing is, is that the contributions and the needs, both of women and families, are so 
central to the health of the United States of America and often get overlooked. So a couple of top things. One, we talked about we need to make immediate investments in the childcare facilities and structures in the United States of America. So call your members of Congress and ask for that. Two, we passed paid family medical leave and sick days as a first step. It only covers people who work for employers who have less than 500 employees, which is not enough. We've left out tens of millions of people, and it sunsets on an arbitrary date that was based on somebody's idea of when we would maybe get out of this when they pass the legislation, which is you and I were just talking about. We actually don't know when we're getting out of this. So we want those policies to be made to cover everyone and for always, and we want their sunset date, if they have to have one, to be tied to economic indicators, not somebody's random guess. Similarly, for unemployment insurance, we want people to call their members of Congress and tell them to ramp up unemployment insurance further, continue with additional direct payments, and take out the arbitrary ending date, tie it to economic factors. We also really want to make sure that mixed status immigrant families are covered in all of the policies. 25% of the children in America live in mixed status, immigration status families. So what was passed by Congress so far in the first relief packages left out a quarter of American children. A quarter of American children were left out. That's ridiculous. Also, you said to keep going, yeah. uh, we want increased access to nutrition support. So we need... SNAP, which is food stamps, increased. We need also the food programs that normally would go through schools increased. We need access to food for families. Um, and we need to make sure that we really look into and move forward decarceration. People who are in incarcerated facilities and jails or prisons, as well as the immigrant detention facilities, don't have the space to be separated by six feet or to follow any of the CDC guidelines. So we need to make sure that we um, address that fact as well. I have a long list, I won't keep going, but those no, are the top. It's, it's why, <laughs> I mean, it's why I, I respect uh, you, one of the reasons why I respect you so much, because you get shit done. And you get shit done in part because you know what your community needs and you're a powerful you know, laser of a voice for them. And, and I, even the way you, you use your language, you say our demands, right? These are not requests. It's not like we would like, this is, this is a demand. This is what you, you need or you deserve even, even more so, right? So I want to, Kristen, building on that, you, you're one of the most effective people I know. Anybody who's been listening so far can see, you know, that you're inspiring. You've also been uniquely effective in Washington in, in a place where it's hard to get things done. So do you have advice for people on getting shit done in Washington and then frankly getting shit done in life? Because you seem good at both, and especially now, you know, those are two really challenging environments, Washington and the pandemic. But what are your personal leadership um, uh, recommendations for just how to be so effective? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go under the table blushing again because that is, Please. I mean, honestly, the answer is teamwork. You know, it's not about me, it's about we, right? So it's not that I get shit done, I don't get shit done. A lot of people that I work with, that I'm honored to work with, that I'm honored to follow the leadership of, um, get shit done together. And I think the problem is, when we start to think about any single one of us having the weight of the nation on us, or the weight of anything on us, to make those changes, the solution is, when we lift each other up as we get things done together. So I've been in the incredible position and humbled to see so much 
shit get done um, because so many people are, you know, exhibiting massively inspiring leadership skills. And so I, li I, I work on a team of champions. The Moms Rising team are incredible superheroes. And I'm just honored to, you know, be able to work with the team of superheroes every day. And for your people who are listening and watching right now, I just want to say one of the things that we hear the most common, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, is that you're more powerful than you think. And one of the things that we see, particularly in the pandemic experience, magnified is that people think that they are experiencing something all alone. Like if you can't make rent or you don't have enough food in your fridge or, you know, you cannot figure out what happened exactly to your child care center and how you're going to go back to work because your child care center just imploded. You are not alone. And what we like to say is that when this many people are having the same problems at the same time, we don't have an epidemic of personal failings, which is how commonly in the United States of America through history, we've sort of talked about the issues relating to work and family as, you know, you're failing, you're failing to get everything in your calendar to, you know, juggle all the 18 titles that comes with the word mom when it's said, you know, mom from the park across to your mom. And so you're not alone. And so we say instead what we have of an epidemic of personal failings is a national structure problem that we can solve together and we will solve together. And so the answer to getting things done is to knowing you're not alone, um, to finding your team, whoever that is, and to working together. And you will be, you'll be so excited that you'll win. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I, your, your playbook is, is, is one that I've, leaned on many times over the last, you know, decade and a half that we've, we've known each other. But you, Kristen, you always also bring tremendous positivity. You know, I think part of why you've been such an effective leader is because you are an inspiration and you bring an energy um, that, is, that is contagious and you have a, a happiness about you. So I want to ask you the, the other question that we ask of all our guests. Uh, Kristen Rofenkbeiner, what makes you happy? Oh, that is a really good question. A lot of things make me happy, fortunately. <laughs> my kids make me happy. I love my family. Um, I love, love, love being able to do the work that I do. I feel like it truly is an honor to be able to listen um, to people across the country and help open avenues for people's voices to be heard. Um, I also have been taking online dance classes. I love to climb mountains. Uh, you know, I like to... I play soccer, and uh, until recently, I was playing soccer for the Violent Thumbs, so I got to get some of my aggression out. I have to find ways to get my aggression out in healthy ways uh, so I can be super positive, hopefully, in person. Um, and the other thing that makes me happy, honestly, is working with that team of superheroes. You know, I look around every day, and I'm like, I am so lucky. I work with the smartest people on the planet, so um, I'm really excited about that, too. Your soccer team is called the Violent Thumbs? Yes. <laughs> That's, amazing. That's amazing. Well, since it is the, the, the month and time of Mother's Day, um, what, what, what are your thoughts on it, Kristen, this Mother's Day in particular? You know, if, if I view you as like, you know, queen of the moms, right? And, or like the, the ambassador from Planet Mom. I always felt like the ambassador from Planet Veteran or Planet Military. But if you have a message for the universe on this Mother's Day, um, what, what, would it, what would it be? That's a hard one because this again goes back to that question of how are you doing at the beginning where I was like medium rare. Yeah. Uh, I, my, 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 my message this Mother's Day is that the cracks in our system that we all knew were there, 
the cracks in our systems that we knew were letting moms down, that were being the result of which is moms are paid less for the same work, taken off the management track for fewer late days, and just valued less in our country. Those cracks have become the catastrophes that many of us knew all along. Mm. So my message is to not just moms, but to everyone who has a belly button, meaning that at some point you've ever had a mom, is that it's time to stand up and to truly value both the paid and the unpaid work of moms, because moms are doing both. If you valued the unpaid work of moms in the labor force, the United Nations says it would be $11 trillion, which is a huge amount. And right now, we're seeing the impact of having moms have to do everything all the time. And it's hard, right? It's really hard. So this Mother's Day, I want people to truly value both the paid and unpaid value of moms and the work that they do. And instead of, or in addition to chocolate and flowers, we'd like you to call your member of Congress and tell them to get moving on a relief package that really values moms and lifts families and our economy along with moms. I love it. I'm, I, I'm always ready for marching orders. And, and I think good activists and good advocates give people homework. And every time I have a conversation with you, Kristen, you give people homework. Um, but you're also incredibly selfless and you give gifts, gifts of wisdom and experience and energy. And as a part of this show, I want to I want to close our conversation with a presentation of the gifts as well. We, we used to do this show in person. We will do that again. I have a gigantic bottle of champagne that we will pop at some point back at the Classic Car Club or another location. So I look forward to you joining us for that, I hope. But in the meantime, I'm going to virtually present you some gifts, if I may. So first, you know, early Mother's Day present. I've got some Angry Americans gear made in the USA coming your way. Uh, that I hope you can enjoy. We also have uh, an amazing sponsor for the show, Bravo Sierra, which makes some amazing uh, cleaning products and health products and wellness products to include deodorant, antibacterial wipes, lots of stuff that will help moms, dads, and everyone in between. Um, and then I have a question, final question for you that is a tradition on this show. Um, <laughs> We started around Easter, and it's now been over a year, but we've asked every single guest that's ever been on Angry Americans. There are three colors of peeps that I present here, yellow, pink, and blue. Kristen, which color would you choose and why? There is only one color of peeps, and that is blue, because blue is the most delicious. Hello? That is the why. <laughs> totally unexpected. That If I were going to rank which one you were going to choose, I would have thought that would have been last. So I love the surprise. That is a part of every conversation. And finally, I have another gift for you that I'll get to you at some point. Um, it's we, we do an American whiskey each time. And uh, I've been on a kick ever since Jeffrey Wright joined us on his show. This is his whiskey, Uncle Nearest, but it's a small batch special from 1884. And I'll get that to you to make a Manhattan or whatever it is you like. Um, but you are a true um, American inspiration. You are, you, are, you are everything that this country is all about. I've been honored to have you as a friend. I, I am so grateful what you, for what you've done for my mom, my wife, every mom out there, and, and just for our country. I, I think you're such an important leader, and I've really been humbled to have you as a friend. So I just want to thank you for all the work that you do, especially right now. I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day, and just thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for lifting our nation. Thank you for showing 
true patriotism, which is making sure our country actually moves toward our ideals instead of away from them, which is right now. Thank you for being angry and staying angry. And thank you for getting the word out. You got it. And now I'll let you go back to the hail and the murder bees and the dog. Is the dog still there? The dog is here. Okay. She is pretty much under the table right now, cowering right. because of the hail. And then there was some thunder. I didn't even note this to your guests. They may have heard it. There was some thunder. There was lightning. All the things happened during- You have all the forces of nature rallying around your leadership. Thank you so much for having us. Happy Mother's Day and, and stay frosty. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little- or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Especially if you're a mom, or especially during the pandemic, sometimes you want to simplify without having to sacrifice performance. And Bravo Sierra engineers non-toxic grooming products that stand the test of the most active lifestyles, the most active activist, the most active nurse, the most active mom. And in fact, Bravo Sierra has pioneered an unprecedented large-scale testing program with 1,000 U.S. military service members and their communities, including many moms, with a simple idea. If the products work for them, they will work for all of us. Bravo Sierra makes kick-ass products, fantastic packaging, extremely affordable, and 5% of every sale goes to support programs for active duty service members, veterans, and their family. You'll feel good, you'll look good, you'll smell good, all with products that are healthy, high quality, and affordable. If you haven't heard, Men's Health calls them a game-changing grooming line, and you should believe it. In particular, I've been loving their shaving foam. I use it on my face. I use it on my head. I've used their shaving foam on my head, and I think it's awesome. I've also been using their sunscreen. As the sun starts to come out, the face moisturizer is fantastic. The antibacterial body wipes are a must-have, and their hair and body solid cleanser is something everybody needs. They're the basics you need at a price you can afford, so go to bravosierra.com, and you can also get the hygiene-ready set with two products that you need to be clean and ready to go. It's got the solid cleanser and the antibacterial wipes. And as I've told you before, many of our guests have loved them, including Flo Groberg and many of our other recent guests. Kristen will be getting some soon too. And you can try the Bravo Sierra starter set for free. It's three of their best-selling products, the deodorant, the hair and body wash, and the hair grooming cream. All you got to do is pay $6.95 for shipping. Go to bravosierra.com backslash angryamericans. And if you buy anything else, use the code ANGRY to get 15% off all orders. If you haven't gotten mom anything, get her some Bravo Sierra, especially if she's a cool mom. This is good stuff that's great for men and for women. Grooming essentials, field tested by members of the U.S. military, made in the USA, and kicking ass. Just like this show, just like you, and just like moms everywhere. Check them out. BravoSierra.com, BravoSierra.com. There's plenty of reason to be angry out there, especially right now. But moms, the best moms, keep it cool. They know when to give us a hug. They know when to give us a scoop of ice cream. And they know when to give us a hard lesson. They're the truest of helpers. 
just like Mr. Rogers' mom used to say, and just like Kristen described. And there's always a way to make an impact. So it's time to turn that anger, sadness, frustration, inspiration, and agony into positive impact. It's time to be a helper. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Every show, I offer a way to convert your righteous, understandable anger into positive action. Positive action that shows that angry Americans can also be impactful Americans. An action that channels your energy, makes you feel good, mobilizes others, and makes a difference. And like this show, our actions are always packed with the four eyes. Integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. No one else can be what you have been to me. You will always be. You will always be the girl in my life for all time. Mother's Day is the time to focus on, lift up, and respect moms in big and small ways. And that means not just talking the talk on respecting moms, but walking the walk. Right now, moms of all races are paid just 71 cents on a dad's dollar. And moms of color are experiencing increased wage gaps due to structural racism in our nation. Latina moms earn just 46 cents on the dollar. Black moms earn just 54 cents on the dollar. This is something we should remember on Mother's Day and work to change every day. This should be a big deal for every single one of us. Because when moms don't get fair pay, our whole economy suffers. And this is where you can help. You can stand with Kristen and Moms Rising and tell Congress that we demand more in response to COVID-19. Congress passed the Paycheck Protection Program and the Health Care Enhancement Act, but it's only the beginning of a pandemic response that our country needs. America's moms know this isn't nearly enough for our families or our economy. We need Congress to fill in the gaps in the responses to date and address some of the devastating racial disparity that exists in COVID-19 morbidity. African-American, Latinx, and Native American people are dying at rates markedly higher than white Americans. We need health equity interventions, including collecting health outcome data by race and ensuring that all new policies address these disparities. So Moms Rising has joined forces with the National Women's Law Center, the Black Women's Roundtable, Planned Parenthood, Ultraviolet, NARAL, Women's March, and 70 other women's organizations from around the country to demand more for women. They, and we, need elected leaders to do a couple of very straightforward things. Number one, address the needs of families requiring childcare. Two, ensure that all workers receive paid sick days and paid leave. The Families First Corona Response Act was a good step, but it only covers 25% of working people. Number three, they've got to secure health care for those who need it regardless of status or ability to pay. That includes testing, treatment, medical exams, vaccination, and isolation and quarantine. Number four, we have to continue to support and improve the unemployment insurance system and make sure the struggling families have tools they need to make ends meet. Number five, as Kristen talked about, we've got to give guidance to the Edward Byrne Memorial Justice Assistance Grant and other criminal justice grants that encourage and incentivize decarceration in states releasing from jails, prisons, and detention centers from people who do not pose a public safety risk, like families held by ICE, elderly people, and those housed in pre-trial detention and who are rehabilitated. Number six, we've got to protect immigrant families for them and for everyone. And number seven, implement measures across the nation that will allow all eligible voters to cast their ballots while prioritizing the public health of our communities. 
It's women who have been bearing the burden of this crisis. Now it's time for us all to do our part to stand with women. Go to momsrising.org. It's momsrising.org. Call your mom or any mom in your life and let them know you appreciate them, especially now. And definitely get them flowers or chocolates or Purell, but also get them support. Join the fight. Fight for your mom. Fight for all moms. Fight for the future and help the helpers. Do it for mom. And if you got a story to tell or a resource to share, find me on social media and use the hashtag AngryAmericans and let me know. Don't just be angry. Be active. All right. All these episodes during the pandemic have frankly been a lot of work and a true team effort. But first and most of all, I want to thank my mom. She listens to every single episode. She's been an inspiration to me my entire life, and she's been a rock. Mom, I love you so much. I'm so inspired by you, so grateful for you, and I hope you have a very, very happy Mother's Day. And my mom's also a nurse. As we recognize nurses this week, I'm so grateful for the inspiration and the example of my mother throughout my entire life. She's been in some hard places, helping some people in really tough spots, and she's always done it with tenacity, empathy, and kindness. And she represents the best of what nurses are all about. And I also want to thank my sister-in-law, another inspiring mother, and another nurse. I've been so lucky to have all these nurses around me my whole life, and it shaped my life, it shaped my children's life, and they continue to take care of all of us and take care of our communities. And last but not least, my wife. She's not a nurse, but she definitely nurses me through life and through this podcast and through all the work, and I'm so grateful for her inspiration and for the tenacity and for the way she every single day gives and leads for our family and for so many other people around us. Thank you to all of you. I love you all so much, and happy Mother's Day. Also want to thank our Patreon members, the vigilant, the very vigilant, and the most vigilant. If you haven't checked it out already, look for Angry Americans on Patreon. We also have a link in the description of this pod, wherever you got it, and at angryamericans.us. People are starting to join, and you can help support this pod. You can help make it possible, and you can get some cool, fun, exciting, behind-the-scenes stuff. It's just a few bucks, and you can go on the Patreon page and get background behind some exclusive content. Last week, I took our Patreon members inside Studio D. You got to see the 69 Camaro. You got to see some other parts of the garage slash Studio D that is now the home of Angry Americans, at least throughout the pandemic. So check us out on Patreon and thank you to those of you who've already stepped up. Big thanks to a few other folks who made this episode happen. Most of all, Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner. She is a total inspiration. Follow her on Twitter. Listen to her on her radio show. Check out her book, Mom's Manifesto. And of course, check out momsrising.org. But Kristen is a force to be reckoned with. Watch for her. Root for her. Support her. And I want to wish her and her family a very happy Mother's Day. Big thanks to the entire Righteous Media team, especially Mighty Mercy Rich, creative Chris Rosenthal, Bill Schultz, Success has many mothers, it takes a village, it takes a whole crew, and Mercy and Chris and Bill make every episode and everything that we do possible, so my thanks to all of you. 
My thanks also to Bravo Sierra. They are the sponsors of this show and everything that we do. And they've got some great Mother's Day gifts. So check out bravosierra.com backslash angry Americans. You get 15% off. And if you order now, you should be able to get it in time for Mother's Day or you can get it late. But nevertheless, Bravo Sierra has awesome products for men and women, makes an awesome package for your favorite mom. And everything that they do gives back to the community and helps support this show. So check out Bravo Sierra. My thanks to them. And it's time for thank a listener. Every week, I thank a few angry Americans for listening and supporting. And if you step up to be recognized, I will make you famous. I'll make you famous. So give us a call and I'll make you famous. You can call, you can tweet, you can post on our social, and I will make you famous. So go ahead and do it. Seriously, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it like Delfino, Sanchez, and Nelly. You may remember them from Aldine Tree Services in Houston. They do stump grinding. They do arbor work. They are amazing, inspiring people that are a part of this community, but are especially critical in times like this. They are a small family-owned business in Texas, and and they're awesome enough to post this message and issue this challenge. Hi, Paul. I am Delfino Sanchez. And I'm Nelly. We want to tell you we love your postcast and are very thankful to you for the shout-out to our locally-owned family company, Audentry Service, Houston Stump Grinding. www.audentryservice.com in episode number 46. Thanks to your kind words about our Ask the Fino Tree Question segments on our YouTube channel. We answer Arbor inquiries one post at a time, and it's free at Audentry or your favorite social media. We're wearing our Angry American merchandise shirts made by Oscar Mike, and they are really comfortable and look great. We're subscribers to your YouTube channel, and we're angry your YouTube channel doesn't have more subscribers. Okay, listeners of Angry Americans, we're looking for the helpers. Your homework is to subscribe to Powell's Righteous Media YouTube channel and share it with your friend. As we record, it's standings at 918 subscribers. Let's set a group goal and surpass to 1,500 by Christmas 2020. Paul, you're doing outstanding work and we appreciate your de- dedication to present the four eyes, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. Thanks for presenting and reinforcing the science on the difference between a headache and a TBI traumatic brain injury. Thanks for your leadership and relentless advocacy for the troops, our veterans, and for forming IAVA, Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Please keep the postcast coming. Have a great day. I love Delfino and Nelly, so check out that video and support Aldine Tree Services in Houston. They do stump grinding. They are awesome. They are a family-owned business, and they are what this country and this community is all about, especially now. How awesome is that? Thank you, Nelly and Delfino. Keep the feedback coming, and keep after it down there in Texas. Thanks for all you do. Thanks to all of you who reach out. Please keep the feedback coming. Use the hashtag Angry Americans and sound off. I am grateful to all of you, especially thankful to all the mothers out there. And again, my thanks to my family, my amazing wife, and my two boys. 
My wife has been a total and complete hero throughout this entire pandemic, and especially working with me running a media company out of our house and trying to create all this content at all hours. She is my creative and inspirational and executional partner. She is absolutely amazing, and I am awestruck by how amazing of a mom she is every single day to our two boys, especially during the pandemic. She pushes through, she picks us up, and she brings us forward, and she always brings the energy and positivity that is unique. I love you, Lori. Very, very happy Mother's Day to you and to your mother, Lainey, and all the other moms that are in our family and in our extended family. I am inspired and grateful for all of you. You help us push through this pandemic. You help us bring the calm. And please keep bringing that positive attitude to me and to each other. Please keep telling your friends to check this podcast out. If you're on Apple device, leave the show a quick five-star review and subscribe now. And you can have it hot and fresh and waiting for you Thursday evenings. And tell your mom to subscribe. We've got some amazing guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, including Brooke Baldwin. Brooke Baldwin will join us in the future. She's recovering from COVID-19. She's been a friend for a long time. She will be joining us in an upcoming podcast. So will the great Bonnie Carroll of TAPS, a Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, and John Bernthal from Punisher and from so many things, including most recently playing Lee Iacocca in the Ferrari versus Ford movie. He is going to be joining us in the future. And you can check out our quick pops, our dispatches, if you subscribe to Angry Americans everywhere you get your podcasts. And please keep the feedback coming on social media. I see you, I hear you, and I'm with you. Go to angryamericans.us. You can check out the videos of this episode and all the others, and you can check out our newsletter. We will continue to adapt, improvise, and overcome during the pandemic and after the pandemic and long into the future. So stay tuned, subscribe for free, and share. And we'll keep this movement growing week by week by week and it's okay to be angry especially now and no you're not alone we're all a little angry and that's because we're paying attention when i was young me and my mama had beef 17 years old kicked out on the streets just like my mom she's always paying attention i know she's listening i love you so much ma and i thank all of you for tuning in i'm your host paul reikoff thanks for listening especially you ma and stay vigilant, America. Happy Mother's Day, and stay frosty. And even though we had different daddies, the same drama when things went wrong, we blamed mama. I reminisce on the stress I caused. It was hell, hugging on my mama from a jail cell. And who thinking elementary?